something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hey, welcome back. It's another episode of Thinking Out Loud. I'm Elvis Duran. we got a very, very special guest today, our really dear friend, Rob Shooter. It's kind of funny how you think you know someone, but there are so many things about them you don't know. Let's find out more about Rob today. You may know him as Naughty But Nice Rob. He's a world-renowned gossip columnist. I guess he likes that title. We'll find out. But how does one get into a world of gossip? How did he do it? Where did he start? And is there such a thing as good gossip? We'll find out in this podcast with Rob Shooter. Let's get to know him. One of my favorite things about doing this podcast is I'm actually sitting down with people I know or I thought I knew. Rob Shooter is here. <laughs> and we've known each other for how many years? Gosh, it must be a decade, Elvis. Like, at least. At least like 10, 15, 15 years. It's amazing, though. You do know people for a long time, but do you really know them? Well, that's the thing. That's what I love about this podcast. I can sit down with people that I know and ask questions about things we've never talked about. Yeah, I think that friendships and relationships have so many different colors to them. And what we would talk about on a night in a bar or if we bump into each other at a fabulous party isn't always what you want to talk about in the day or earlier on in the evening. And so we can explore different um, aspects of stuff that just don't come up in, in regular sort of life. Then let's do it. Jump in. Okay, so Rob Shooter, legendary gossip columnist. Is that one yeah, of the many titles it. you have? People people don't like the word gossip. So I think in, in our business, the word gossip is sort of like being maybe below a reality star. Like it's something that people really cringe about. I love that word. 
word. I love gossip. I've always liked gossip. I've always been nosy when I was a little boy at school. I knew everyone's gossip in the playground. It saved me from being beat up. I, I like gossip. I like being curious. I love being nosy. And I always have been. Well, some would say having gossip, having stories about someone is having power as well. So I know that little Johnny loves to go behind the bushes with little Carl. I know this as my gossip. If I ever told anyone, you know what? It, I mean, I, I, he knows I know, so I, he won't beat me up, right? I mean, Absolutely. And people too, people like gossip. I, I, when I go on the morning shows, they're very sensitive about gossip. It's sort of like a taboo. And so they call it buzz. It's the same thing. They call it hot topics on certain shows. It's the same thing. I love gossip and I like people gossiping about me too. And it doesn't have to be mean. That's the mistake that people make. When they think of gossip, they think of people saying really mean things about one another. I say nice things. I do say some naughty things too, but I say nice things too. And that's a gossip too. I want to know who you're dating, what's going on in your life, how much money you earn. I love all that stuff. I love looking in people's fridges. Last time I was at your flat, your house, your apartment. I looked in your fridge. I love uh, people's fridges. Fascinate me. Was there anything in there? It was, so, it was very neat. It, it was, was a very neat. You should fridge. see it now. There. <laughs> All right. So this is Rob Shooter. This is the podcast where we find out more about our friend Rob. Now I'm going to go back to gossip, but yes. let, let's just cover a few of the foundational uh, uh, items. Uh, gossip columnist, legendary. Also, uh, you're an executive editor of OK Magazine, and you actually drove up circulation numbers. In a crazy, like, unprecedented way at the time. We're gonna, I want to find out how you did that. Mm-hmm. Also, publicist. Mm. You've been the publicist for several very famous people that we all know and love. Yeah. I want to find out how you got into that and what good it did for them and for you. Also, you wrote a great book. Busy, busy. A very busy guy. It's all fun, and they're all stepping stones that have led to the next chapter right. in my life, to use a book metaphor. They've all led to the next thing. So if you don't like the job you're doing at the moment, A, figure out a way to get out of it, and figure out a way to get as much out of it, slightly different there, not just leaving the job, but how can you get as much out of it as you possibly can. I fell into publicity. I was a receptionist. When I came to America, I didn't have a green card initially. So I had to do like these odd jobs. And finally, when I got a green card, I became a receptionist. I answered the telephones at a big PR company. And it was the most fabulous job I've ever had because I knew everything because every phone call it was before cell phones had to come through my little switchboard oh so you were the pivot point i knew i was like the center of this company probably the least paid person there and the lowest status but i figured out really quickly that i had enormous power being on the phones with these celebrities calling in or reporters calling in and i learned my craft i learned how the business works from answering phones and listening. Listen, be curious, be nosy. Let's go backwards. Let's go back to you growing up in the UK. Where are you from? Birmingham, England, which I like to say is Chicago, but it's more like Detroit. Like, okay. it's a, yeah, it's a little down on its luck. <laughs> right. It's a second city, part of the Industrial Revolution, but that was a long time ago. So now all the canals, all the big factories are a little sort of, they need a little bit, a little bit of a polish. And so I grew up in this really tough town, very working class. I'm the youngest of five. My dad's a policeman, my mom a homemaker. And so I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks and I wouldn't have it any other way now. Now I've seen the nice side of the tracks. I I like, I like my beginning. It was a really fun place full of lots of love, not much else. We didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of love. 
obviously, I'm going to make a guess here. You were a lot different than <laughs> most people you grew up with, including your siblings. How were you different as a kid? And, and looking back, that kid, little young Rob Shooter, what do you see in that young Rob Shooter that was the spark that turns you into who you oh, that, are today? Like, how were you different back oh, that's then? It. But, but, I mean... I'm gay, I'm openly gay, but that wasn't my story early on. At birth, my arm was damaged. And so I was different as a child because I spent an enormous amount of time in hospital. I nearly lost my arm. And because of the damage to my arm, I couldn't walk. So I had a walking stick when I was a child. I couldn't crawl because I didn't have two arms and I couldn't ride a bicycle. So I always knew I was different physically. So yeah, you so you were forced to be the different kid. Yes, and I, I, my arm was often in a sling. It was often in a plaster. How did other kids treat you? They treated me like I was odd, and I sort of, and I was, but I, I learned that that word was a good word. Now when I see something odd, I'm quite excited. Like when I find a play that's odd, it means that I liked it. And so from really from the early age, and it was my mom who taught me this because there was no way I could fit in with these other kids. I just couldn't do the things that they were doing. And when I tried, I was terribly sad. I remember once trying to climb a rope with one arm. It can't be done no matter how much you want it to. And I had the will and the desire, but I just couldn't do it. I remember once on a school trip, we were in a boat and I went round in a circle because only one arm worked. It was so gross. I know. But listen to these things. As a child, these things can be devastating. Not only are you worried about what people think about you, but sometimes they may say things to your face that's just cruel. But we learned that when you are different and you're walking, marching yes. in a different manner than everyone else, then you stand out. I stood out. So you were standing out for maybe you would think at the time all the wrong reasons. Right, right. And, and so did you, you obviously have held on to that oh, because you're still very the, odd. the oddest guy in the room. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm different. It's awkward. And the thing is, I'm so different that I couldn't run away from it. So my sister, everybody feels different as children. If you have a few pimples on your face or if you're not the tallest person or if you're too tall, Taylor Swift talked about how she felt different growing up. You can try to fit in. I couldn't. I just, I was, I don't walk in straight lines because of the way my balance is. So I'm always banging into walls. So at like eight years old, they were like, who's that drunk kid in the school? So I knew I was different and there was no escape in it. So the choice was you have to just celebrate this or you're going to have a really miserable life. And I remember really having that moment when I was like, this is who I am. And I, I, I had an enormous amount of physical therapy and it was sort of mental therapy too. So at a really early age, I figured out who I was. Was there ever like, a defining moment you can recall where you actually and you'll never forget it you actually remember saying to yourself internally or however oh my god this is actually a great thing it came from a bad moment but the good often in life comes from the bad i my sister was very musical i love music i, I our house was full of music we saw musicals on tv we couldn't afford to get to the the broadway theaters the western theaters but we saw them on tv i started to learn to play the clarinet the clarinet with one hand well that was the problem <laughs> their teachers didn't figure out that after the first hand you have to get to the second and i was so damn good at this clarinet that i blew through the first three fingers and then when it came to the the, the other hand i couldn't do it so i was a really promising clarinet player who really enjoyed it i practiced all the time i enjoyed doing it and i had to give it up because i just couldn't i hit a wall i couldn't learn the clarinet How about the trumpet that's what i did three fingers that's what i did so i moved to the trumpet and that was a moment when a light bulb went off and i was like you know 
there is a different road. There's a road for all of us. And there's a way to get to that dream on a different path. And I literally, as a young boy, I cried and cried about having to give up my clarinet. And it was almost like a death. Like I was so sad about this clarinet. And within a few weeks, the trumpet appeared in my bedroom, in my my house. And I'm a really good trumpet player. I play the trumpet now. I'm, I'm not that great at it anymore. I don't practice that much. But, um, there's a path. It might not be your first choice. It might not be the path you thought it was going to be, but there is a path. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024. And we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question, it's going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother or, in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the Mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. 
and in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this hundred-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, when your clarinet disappeared, keep in mind, it was just half a clarinet that disappeared. <laughs> the other half you had no clue about. Who was it that put that, that coronet or trumpet in your My room? mom. My mom so, who felt so guilty. Wow. Cause it was a... It, it was a it, my arm was damaged when I was born. And so during birth, it was a metal forcep delivery that pulled me out. I was a huge baby. I was 12 pounds, which was the biggest baby they'd ever had in that hospital. And my mom, all her life has felt that she didn't try hard enough or it was her fault about it. And so I think that guilt really made her jump into action. So it was my mom that um, found the trumpet. And I remember like her looking, because she couldn't, there was not the internet back then, but I remember her like looking through catalogues of instruments to see what you could play with one hand. Oh, like, what a great mom. Like, yeah, it's going to be a guitar. Oh, no, we can't do the guitar. That's two hands. Right about the piano. Oh, no, 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 that's two hands. <gasps> the trumpet. And that's how the trumpet appeared. Wow. So you, you said you had five siblings? I'm the youngest of five. Okay, so five of you. Do you feel like, between us, yes. that you had a special connection with your... Then would say, absolutely, okay. and they think I'm a total brat about it. And when I go back to Britain and we have a family dinner, I always sit next to mom. I push everybody out of the way. I'm like, <laughs> I want to sit next to mom. And yeah, no, definitely, it's a bond. I think if a child has their mother's love, their unconditional love... You can really go places. Some of the superstars that I've worked with, and when I would ask them, what made you so special? None of them really said talent. It was about being loved as a child. And so if you have kids out there, really love them. Really love them. I know. I was very loved as a child. Look at us. (laughs) Look at us. (laughs) And I played the cornet as well. (laughs) Hey, so as a child, at what point did you realize, okay, there is going to be a future of me, Rob Shooter, I think I would like to be a blank. I would like to have a career, because it looks cool to me, in the middle of something. Do you remember what it was you first wanted to do when you grew up? I wanted to be in politics. I thought really? I was going to be. I liked that Margaret Thatcher felt like she was putting on a show. And in Britain, we have this thing called Prime Minister's Question Time, and it's televised. And she would stand there in the, in the middle of the Houses of Parliament and take questions. And she was so theatrical and so blazingly um, dramatic. It felt to me like it was a play. And so I, I liked theatre. I couldn't act very well. I couldn't sing very well, although I was fabulous as Mottle the Tailor in Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, talk about it. Well, I was in Edinburgh at the time, and you would have thought we would have done Brigadoon. No, we did the <laughs> yeah. Scottish production of Fiddler on the Roof. Okay. All Gentiles, no Jews. That's okay. But, but it, like, so I liked theatre, but I didn't want to go that road. So I ended up getting my master's in political science, and the plan was to go to London and sort of be an MP's assistant and work my way up in, in that world. Do you love me? <gasps> Do I what? Do you love me? Do I love you? For 25 years, I've cleaned your house and cooked your meals and... Uh, fucked your mouth. <laughs> Is that the word? I think I fucked your mouth. I remember that word. Do, I remember, do you love me? Do I what? Do I what? <laughs> I want? She's what just a, cleaning the house. Leave me great, alone. What a great musical. It's a great musical. Okay, so politicians also have this... They have to be... They have to be dramatic. They have to be showbiz. It's showbizy. It, it is. And, and so 
I think that's something you have clung on to to this very day. The need to get your point across, you got to be over the top. Yeah, I like I like to argue. I like to disagree. I I hope I'm not disagreeable, but I I like debates. I like difficult subjects. I think I can find a middle ground, hopefully, with people. And I think, like, challenge yourself. Hang out with people who don't agree with you. It's such a much, it's much more of a finite. So uncomfortable thinking about it for some people. But I happen to agree you do. that you, I want to disagree. Yes, I love that. And sometimes, too, I'm so contrary, too. But as far as, like, being over the top and show busy, I, it's who I am. Like, I don't, like, some of our friends, people we know, can be very flashy when they're on the microphone or, or on television and a little bit duller behind the scenes. Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. And so, like, oh, no. Oh, sorry. She's all, oh, oh. Uh, I, I was <laughs> Did I hear her say Kim oh, Kardashian? Oh, oh. She's a little doll. <laughs> Have you ever had dinner with Kim? Oh, it's a little doll. Yeah. It's a little doll. But on the show, she's terrific. But I'm as this ridiculous at dinner. You get It is what it is. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, okay, so jumping from thinking about being a politician to being fascinated with the world of celebrity. Oh, I love them. How did that bridge... Happen. Well, I always loved the royals, and to us, they were celebrities. So r- the royals were our Kardashians. They still are. They still are. I loved all the glamour of it, and I loved Dynasty, the TV show, and I liked like diamonds and crowns, and so I loved all that dressing up stuff. So in Britain, it wasn't quite as, as glamorous as American celebrities. We loved American celebrities. So I always liked celebrities. I always liked reading the magazines. I used to spend my pocket money on buying uh, Smash Hits, which was a weekly magazine about all your favourite pop stars. I'd save up my money to go and see them in concert or their movies. And I remember I got to meet Farrah Fawcett. Oh, wow. I know, who had a fragrance. And poor Farrah had to come to Birmingham, England to sell this fragrance at Debenhams, which she didn't really want to do. But nevertheless, it was part of her contract. She signed a contract. She had to come. Legally bound. Harrods, fine. Paris, fine. Birmingham. But she had to come to Birmingham. And I waited in line to meet Farrah Fawcett. I couldn't afford the fragrance, but she signed a little postcard that they were handing out free. And I framed it. I looked at it and I was like, oh, I want to be part of this world. I knew I didn't have her talent, but there there was a way for me to be part of that world. I had that Farrah Fawcett poster on my wall when I was in school. I was a little kid. Yes. I think it's still the biggest selling poster of all time. The red bathing suit. Yeah. Do you remember, do you know who designed that red bathing suit? Who? Uh, I used to know. I don't know. I'll get back to you on that. And she hung up the blanket behind her. Originally, it was just her standing there, and she found it in the back of a car or something, this Indian yeah. tapestry. I do believe Norma Kamali designed oh. Was it Norma Kamali? We interviewed her, didn't we? Norma Kamali? I think we did. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But, but, okay, so, but at what point did you realize you wanted to have a career that was a part of celebrity? I, I mean, how did you make that connection? I wasn't from the background where I could make choices. So I think a lot of people in life wonder, how did you make that choice? I had to fall into whatever job took me. So I needed to make money. And so if I'd got a first job working at Starbucks, then I might have took a very different road. I had a friend who worked at a PR company and they were opening up a New York office and they were like, do you want to answer the phones? And I That's was like, how you got yeah, to the United States. I and I was like, I can answer phones. I know how to do that. And then I learned the job there. There's very few jobs that we can't learn how to do. Like brain surgery is one and sort of 
I guess, flying a plane, being a pilot. Right. Although they learned. Both of those jobs at some point did learn. They didn't, Dr. Oz didn't wake up being Dr. Oz. He wasn't born Dr. Oz. He learned the craft. And so I'm a big believer that if you are willing to do the work, you can do anything. And I, I do the work and I learned it from all the celebrities I worked for. When you look at these big stars, you think of them as just so naturally gorgeous and talented. They're not. They're not they weren't born stars. They became stars. So here we are working at a PR agency in New York City. Yeah. And wow, how exciting. It was fantastic. It this, was a, kid, this kid from, from Birmingham yeah, is now living it. in New York City. I can't believe every, how much were you making? Remember your salary? I think it was maybe $25,000 a year. In New York City? In New York City. Wow. And I represented every tea and spoon in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. Okay. So it was never like any big stars. Michelle Lee from Knott's Landing was my first sort of celebrity. And then this beautiful, beautiful young model who was on the cover of GQ hired me. And she, you didn't know her at the time, but it was Tyra Banks. And so Tyra was the one that changed my career a little bit. And then I went on to work with J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez and Diddy and Bon Jovi and Alicia Keys and um, Jessica Simpson. It was really, really fun, well, fun are, life. They're these, big. Are, these are heavy duty names. They were big stars. And, and it was wild to see, to be with them. And I was never jaded about it. I loved it. I had like a front row seat watching pop culture history be made. And so I was always really excited to be there. I felt very privileged that this kid from Birmingham was sitting next to J-Lo in a, in a, in a, in a fabulous car going well, to the Met. You were watching pop history being made, but you were a part of making it as well. Explain to everyone what you would do for the, the Jennifer Lopez's and the Bon Jovi's so of the world. When you're a publicist for a big star, you are inundated with requests. And so your job is to figure out what is the best request for them. Request what you say, for what? what? So Give Vogue example. would want the cover. Glamour would want J-Lo on the cover. So Jennifer sold, sold magazines. She still does. And so she would get these incredible offers to do all these covers and all the TV shows want her. And she only has so much time and 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 Career-wise, you have to make right choices. And so if you're going to do a serious movie, you might not want to be on the cover of Cosmo, which is a very sexual magazine. You might want to be on a different choice. And so if you want to change your image or adapt who you are or sell a product, we would find those best ways to do it. And then there's a lot of crisis PR too. When she broke up with um, with Ben for the first time, I wrote the bro- breakup statement. Like I was on the phone with Jennifer, right? And it's always the same statement. It's always like, please respect our privacy. And we're still best friends. None of which is true. Okay. <laughs> like that's Let's talk like about that. Play. So I always find it fascinating when a celebrity couple breaks up, there is an announcement. <laughs> that's what- like you know, all the rest of us, we would never make the announcement because no one gives a flying fuck, right? But what? Why does there need to be an announcement about a breakup with a celebrity couple? There really doesn't need to be. Well, That's seems, the truth. It seems but, like there does. But the, but the reason it's done is because you want to tell your own story. It's a good lesson in all our lives. Tell your own story. So we might not put out an announcement when we break up, but we do call our best friend. And that's the same thing, really, in the celebrity world. The audience, their, their public, is someone, an extension of their friendship group, a very powerful group who really afford them the life they have. And so when, when Jessica Simpson broke up with Nick, I think before she told Nick, she told me, like Jessica called me and said, this is over. And we drafted a statement and then we worked with Nick's people to, to, to massage it a little bit. And then we put out a statement. And then I think... They enjoy, to a certain extent, all the noise and drama that comes around that. But they also, too, it gives them a chance to move on with their lives. And so um, I think there's also a great relief, too. When relationships are not good, it doesn't, you don't have to be famous for this. You want to, you, you want to 
to be done. There's a relief sometimes when it's over. And so yeah. I find that the but case. But there's still a story there. There's a story. And you know what? That's what that's what keeps everyone relevant. Even if you're not a celebrity, you have, always have to have a story going on. Think about it. As you listen to this podcast with our guest, Rob Shooter, think about what your story is right now. Your circle of friends, they're all talking about you because of why. You just broke up with someone or you just made this incredible dinner the other night and other friends were pissed off they weren't invited or whatever. We all have stories. So even in a breakup announcement, that's a story. Everyone has it, a story. It keeps your name up there. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024. And we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother or, in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. 
And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What about other crisis work? Uh, I mean, people get into legal problems. Yeah, or- I did Diddy during all his legal stuff. Naomi Campbell hired me after she allegedly hit Threw a, a phone at someone. Or- yeah, and so I, I, you know, the best thing to do is not to make it any worse for yourself. And this is a good lesson for all of us. When I mess up and I do a lot, you want to apologize quickly, you want to take responsibility, and then you want to shut up. Ashley Simpson hired me after lip syncing on SNL. That was a major thing. Major. Her. her career was just exploding and she went on Saturday Night Live. It was her first live performance and it did not go well. Right. And so within a week she hired me and my best advice to her was we just put out a statement and then we move on. We, we try and suck the oxygen out of the fire and we don't ever talk about it again. So you will never hear Ashley say the S word. We don't talk about Saturday Night Live. And it's, we, we play role play too as a, a really good publicist. Your role play. So I'll, I'll ask you questions like, Ashley, you know, that's terrible what happened on SNL. How are you doing? And we would practice what the answer was going to be. And often too, the answer isn't words. It's just the noise. Hmm. Ah. See how long you can be on the phone with a friend and not speak. Really? I can go hours. Mm. Oh. Ooh. Oh. What? Ah, what? Oh. Really? Ah. And people are so uncomfortable with you, you silence. Would, you, would, you would practice. We'd sit Rehearse there practicing. Making, making noises. Grunting noises. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And if you want, want them to move on, be like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I know. And I charged an enormous amount of money for that. I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you started in publicity. And then you ended up at OK Magazine. I loved it. Now, OK Magazine, uh, always known for being a great, colorful yes. way to find out yeah. what's going on with celebrities. But for some reason, when you arrived there as the executive editor, things blew up there. What did you do at that magazine that caused such a stir? When I arrived, it was not doing terribly well. It was an enormous magazine in Britain. It still is. It was like the People magazine of Britain. And then they launched in America, assuming that their heritage, their name would just attract an audience. He didn't. You have to fight for every sale here in, in America. And so they were very celebrity friendly, which translated into dull. And so I changed it from being celebrity friendly to naughty but nice. And that's how I came up with a phrase that's really changed my life. We're not mean girls. We're not going to we're not going to punch you. We might pinch you, but we're cheeky. And I think you can tell a story in a cheeky way that you might not like two or three of the words in it, but overall, you'll like it. And I'll put a beautiful picture of you. You'll look glorious. The headline will be fine, but there might be a few little things in the story that you're like, ooh, but that's what makes it interesting for readers. So we just changed the tone of the magazine. And I, I would argue that's the most important thing to learn in life. The key's in the lock. You've just got to turn it. People throw out the baby with the bathwater. Don't do that. The magazine's doing okay. It's not a disaster. Literally, it's okay. Which is also a very weird name for a magazine. I want my magazine to be called Amazing, Fantastic. (laughs) You don't want average. I'm okay. Average. We're okay. And so um, you put a little bit of fairy dust on it. You make it a little bit more exciting. You tell stories that people want to hear. And ultimately, the stories that do the best are stories that we care about in our own lives. Breakups, relationships, babies, 
All those major milestones in your personal life are also true with magazines. They they really sell well. So we just we just changed the emphasis a little bit. We became naughty but nice. And initially, some of the celebrities were horrified by this, but they came around. They 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 saw we were not going to take dicks. Well, let's go back to that then. Some celebrities were horrified. You had already. You already knew what it was like being a publicist. Now you have publicists calling you at OK Magazine saying, what the hell? Why are you printing this about my client? What? I, how, how did you work that? It must have made it easy it for you to work It was much that. easier. I could go in and I knew from my own clients, like often it wasn't the text they cared about. It was the picture. J-Lo, for instance, you've got to do a beautiful picture of J-Lo. And she might not read the story, but she would see the picture. Right. And so we always packaged even the, the most smelly stories in a beautiful rose, rose, fragranced ribbon. And so everything looked pretty. It, it, it smelled pretty. But if you read it, it also told the truth in a nice way. I can find nice stories though on anybody. You can just change the way you tell a story. When, when I tell stories of Britney Spears and, you know, there's some, stuff there that isn't that pretty but you can tell it in a sympathetic way and so I always put things through the filter of optimism Lindsay Lohan's somebody too where we're always like we're always rooting for her comeback and so I don't take I don't take the low road and I think this is a mistake certainly my friends make and I've made is that people think being mean makes them witty makes them Oscar Wilde it doesn't it just makes you mean if you want to be Oscar Wilde be interesting and nice. That's really hard. It's really easy to be mean and witty. It's so easy to get a laugh by being mean. What's hard is to get a laugh by being nice. But you know what? Being a publicist and also actually rolling it into a career as an executive editor in OK Magazine, that's a sales job. Sales. And you know what? If someone said to me today, Elvis, you've got to go out and sell. So I, I would get nervous and I would crap my pants. <laughs> But you're actually selling. And you're selling. You're, you're selling uh, talent. You're selling looks. You're selling this being. You're creating a monster, a great, wonderful, glorious monster out of someone who's just a normal human being. And it goes back to what politicians do. This is what I was meant to do. I'm really good at packaging stuff. I'm not the greatest reporter. I'm not the greatest writer, but I know how to package. And that's what magazines do. That's what celebrities do. That's what politicians do. That's what the greatest brands do. And that led me to do my book. And the, the takeaway from all those celebrities were that the most successful people I'd ever met knew who they were. And the really super successful ones knew who they were in just four words. Just four words. See what you just did? You masterfully <laughs> changed the conversation to about your book. I was moving it along. You're, you're, you're a master at this. Okay, let's talk about your book, The Four Word Answer. Oh, I love it. And it, you, you make it seem easy. It's not as easy as you think. It, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, your philosophy is you should be able to succinctly describe you and your talent in four yeah. words. Look in the mirror every morning and who are you in four words? I'm naughty, I'm nice, I'm smart, I'm important, are you kind, are you cheeky? Who are you in four words? And every morning you remind yourself, who am I? And it's harder to lose your way in life if you know who you are. So talk about the journey through this book. It, it has to be more than just that simple principle. Well, that's the, that's the principle that holds the book together. And then what I did is I took all the celebrities I, I worked with, most of the celebrities I worked with, and I applied it to them or I explain how they applied this to their lives. And I, I came up with a word 
for all these celebrities. I knew all four of their words. And it's quite surprising. Like, one of the words for Jennifer Lopez was kind. Now, a lot of people would not assume Jennifer Lopez is kind. And I'm not making the case that she is Florence Nightingale. What I'm saying is that her definition of kindness is something we should all think about. Jennifer's kind to herself. She doesn't call herself names. She doesn't beat herself up. She encourages herself. And if we could all be kind to ourselves, as kind to ourselves as we would be to a best friend, I say things to myself, or I used to say things to myself that I'd never say to a friend. I'd never be that cruel to a friend. So why the hell am I being that cruel to me? So there's a whole chapter on on kindness from Jessica Simpson. Jessica was a, a really interesting one because Jessica taught me that she's the smartest person in the world. She's as dumb as a fox, you think, but she's got a billion dollars to prove how smart she is. And what I learned about smart is that the only thing that makes you smart is the willingness to try. Jessica just kept trying. She kept getting beat up, knocked down publicly, and she got back up. Remember this, really smart people fail all the time, but they keep on going. So there's a whole chapter on being smart. Did he taught me how to feel like I was important? If you think you are important, you will invest in yourself. You'll invest in what you eat, your that if you work out, you'll invest in your education. And so it's very, very important to feel important. Where do you see this moving for you next? Or is it too premature to know? Or are you not like a like a one-year, five-year, ten-year plan guy? I mean, you, you said earlier that all that. these things went into play to move you to the next level, to a next layer. Where do you think your next layer oh, could lie? Oh, sorry. You're right. I didn't have options when I was younger, so I just had to fall into whatever job came along. And I'm grateful for the jobs I fell into. But now I have a lot of options. Now I'm very successful. But I thought about this a couple of nights ago. If I was playing a game show mm. and I could gamble my life today, who I am, for the billion dollars, the million dollars, what would I do? And I'd hit pause. I'm really happy with this. I love my piece of the pie. I've had opportunities that potentially could have led to much greater success. I don't know if I want it. I'm not that driven. I like this life. I don't want it. And I know really famous people. I don't want people taking my photograph when I'm drunk in a bar. I don't want people chasing me around. I'm famous enough that I can get a dinner reservation and maybe a free dessert, particularly at Fresco by Scottos, but <laughs> delicious. But I don't, I don't need any more than that. I, I like this life. I would hit pause right now. But Rob, you know that when you hit pause, that's when the opportunities just I know. Kinda, they flow your way. <laughs> and then, and so then, this is all a plot of yours. It's all a plot. But the nicest opportunity that came recently, primarily through you too, so thank you, was I Heart approached me about doing a daily show. And so now every morning I have a 20-minute gossip show, celebrity show. It's called Naughty But Nice. And for 20 minutes we do all the stories you want to know about. Because I do this for a living, it's not one of those podcasts where we just talk about stories on the internet. We break stories. We have news out there. We push stories forward. We know what's going on with Meghan Markle. We know what's going on with Lizzo. I've been in those rooms where crisis happens and what's going on inside her camp. And we talk about that and it's become terribly successful and it's a joy to do. And so that's my big, um, big push at the moment. It's fun. Well, Rob, uh, this has been a wonderful time we could spend together. I learned so much about you. I thought I knew everything, but I didn't know. But I will tell you this. I know you don't want to be one of those people 
who has your picture drunk in a bar out there. But guess what? I've got I've got photos of you drunk in a bar, but I'm drunk right next to you. So that's that. right. Guilty together. So where do you find Rob? You find him naughty but nice here on iHeart. You also can pick up his book, The Four Word Answer. And where else are we finding you these And I, days? I have a website called Naughty Gossip each day. There's about 20 of us. It's a really unusual business. So I, I've basically given all my friends passwords who are reporters or, or editors, and they just go on and post their own stories. So when they see stuff out, they post stuff, and it's updated all the time. And um, it's, a, it's a great gig. I feel like a little mini sort of company. It's amazing how responsible I've become, sort of. You've got lots of lots <laughs> going on, but don't be too responsible. And I know you know that that would be a big mistake. A mistake. It's not going to happen. I love happen. you, Rob Shooter. I love you. Thank you for allowing everybody to be deliciously odd, deliciously unusual. And remember, you're not a misfit when you're around other misfits. Find your tribe. They are out there. I used to didn't believe that I would ever fit in. I found my people. I did I did find them. They do exist. Wasn't that fascinating? He is such a tremendous friend and a talented and very well-connected gossip columnist. Uh, many, many years of Rob Shooter ahead. He's been our friends for over 10 years, and it's I'm looking forward to another 10 years with him. Some great takeaways on how uh, to embrace your unique identity. I love that part. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it. Also, Rob talked about how to stand out in a crowd. We're so thankful for you stopping by, Rob. Thank you so much for uh, chatting with us on this episode. All right, more to come. We've got a lot of great guests lined up. You're not going to want to miss them. Make sure you like, rate, and review, and subscribe to Thinking Out Loud, wherever you get your podcasts, especially right here at the iHeartRadio app. Until next time, peace out, everybody. Thinking Out Loud is hosted by me, Elvis Duran. The podcast is produced and edited by Mike Coscarelli. Executive producers are Andrew Puglisi and Katrina Norvell. Special thanks to David Katz, Michael Kindheart, and Caitlin Mador. Thinking Out Loud is part of the Elvis Duran Podcast Network on iHeartRadio. For more, rate, review, and subscribe to our show. And if you like this episode, tell your friends. Until next time, I'm Elvis Duran. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.